0: Walsh has got it, twigging around. Gee, the tackle was a little high. Collingwood with win by four. McComb not quite, gone hopeful. Now Jamari Ugelhagen kicks it long. It's got a lot of carry. That's something extraordinary. It's a high five from Jamari in glory. Just coming back. Hey guys, welcome to the 23rd edition of the In The Sand Show. Today, we're going to have a look at my round 11 AFL reviews and a review of the No Limit Fight Night held in Melbourne on Wednesday night at Margaret Court Arena. So let's get into my round 11 AFL reviews. The round 11 AFL season and the round, it started off Sydney versus Carlton at the SCG. It was at 7.50 and Sydney came into this game after a huge win and not really a deserved win. They came up, up against the North Melbourne side that's not really strong and had a new coach under Brett Radden as uh, Alistair Clarkson stepped down. Um, new game plan, knew everything and Sydney struggling a lot with injuries and really anyways without the injuries uh, should have dominated North Melbourne throughout the entirety of the game but... They didn't, and they got really close. They only won the game by three points and only won because of an interchange breach where North Melbourne uh, stuffed up and got 76 inter- interch- interchanges rather than 75. And, yeah, cost North Melbourne a lot. But Sydney came into this game, obviously, with confidence. And Carlton are in a real lack of form after being tipped for top four at the start of this year, last year, just missing out in the eight. And, um... Haven't been performing to anywhere the standard. They've got ex Brownlow medalists, they've got ex Coleman medalists, and the fans are really starting to lose it with the sides. But to the game, Swans won by 26 points, and an underside Sydney defence proved pivotal in their 26 point victory over Carlton to give the Swans finals hopes a timely boost at the SCG. Carlton on a four game losing streak, with last win coming up against West Coast in a thumping. But something really needs to change for Carlton. Boss's game plan is becoming really readable. And with their list, their team, ex brownlow medalists, all real strong players, they should be a really strong side. But something's just not working. And many fans are bringing it down to the passion within the side. But Sydney got the job done in the start of round 11. And Carlton are really, really struggling. And next week, they come up against Melbourne. And that's going to be another real test. The next game, it was St. Kilda. Coming up against Hawthorne, this was at Marvel Stadium. This was on Saturday during the day. I thought St. Kilda were going to win this game. And with a run of form, I think it was going to continue. Um, and after that big win that they, I think they should have had. But Hawthorne turned everything around. And Hawthorne know Marvel really well. I thought the Saints and Hawthorne were going to stay even up until halftime. And then I thought the Saints were going to just run away with it, win by 30-odd points. This game was set to be done before it even started. The Saints came in red-hot favourites, and I picked them for this game and thought they'd cruise really easily and get the victory over the Hawks. But Hawthorne had other ideas. To have a look at the game, the game looked over when Dan Butler put St. Kilda 20 points up, and when he kicked the first goal in the final quarter, but the Hawks kicked the next five. With less than three minutes left in the clock, J- Jacob Kaczynski Kis- marked and converted to give the Hawks the lead for the first time since the second quarter before Luke Bruce slotted the third of the day in the final minute to squash any hope the Saints had of their own comeback. The game ended 12-16-88, Hawthorne to 12-6-78 of St. Kilda, and and set up Hawks to get off the bottom of the ladder and start a two-game win streak. The Saints having a tough couple of weeks, copping losses to sides they really shouldn't have in Adelaide over there, and uh, Hawthorne, and and uh, the Saints, when they play their best brand of footy, they look unbeatable, and under new Ross Lyon, maybe they've just clocked off for a couple of weeks. They got the job um, done up against GWS, up in GWS, and I don't think they performed to the best of their capabilities up there as well. They stayed pretty close, only getting the 12-point victory, but I think the um, these losses are really going to hurt Ross Lyons and the Saints side as a whole. The next game was Melbourne coming up against Fremantle, and Fremantle produced a huge 7-point upset win over Melbourne at MCG to climb into the top 8, 12-7, 79-10, 12-72. Frio got up, and after losing Sean Darcy to a hamstring injury in the second quarter, Luke Jackson absolutely stepped up in a massive performance against his old side, racking up 19 disposals, 6 tackles, 16 hit-outs, and a career-high Eight clearances. The Dockers surged ahead in the contest with a five goal third quarter before holding off Melbourne in the final stanza to pick up their fourth straight win and sixth of the season. This loss for Melbourne is their second consecutive loss to strong sides, and if Premiership contention is real for the Demons, they can't be losing to sides like Frio on their home deck where they play their best footy. But for Frio, after a bit of a lackluster start of the season, they're starting to put their season together after a couple really strong wins. And against a side like Melbourne, it'll boost them and uh, it'll help them out for the rest of the season. The next game was Geelong coming up against GWS and this was at the Cattery. Geelong are brutal at Geelong and they know that ground inside and out. And I thought Geelong were going to get up by 50-odd points and I didn't think the Giants were going to stand a chance at all. The GWS Giants landed another blow to Geelong's Premiership defence after a stunning seven-point win at GMHPA Stadium. The Giants inflicted the Cats' third loss in a row for the second time this season. Giants skipper Toby Green was a star in his 200th game with four first-half goals which broke the game open as the Giants attacked all night with relentless pressure, holding on to their fourth win of the season. The Giants led through most of the game but never could take their foot off the pedal when dealing with the reigning premiers at their home fortress. For a rebuilding side, the GWS... This win with a young side massively boosts their confidence. And Kingsley putting together a side with inexperienced players coming up against the reigning premiers, getting the job done on their home deck where they've absolutely pumped some teams. It's really crucial for the side and will put a lot of confidence in the heads of the young players and the new draftees coming into JWS. Especially beating them, um, dropping points to dropping points to JWS. Uh, Geelong are really gonna take a lot of hurt to that. To that, um, and they're looking to go back to back wins against GWS. It should be first nature, but as of far, don't think the Cats look anywhere close to the form that they had last year. The next game was Gold Coast versus G- Gold Coast versus Western Bulldogs at TIO Stadium up in the Northern Territory. Gold Coast have pulled off one of their finest wins of the AFL season, beating a fast-finishing Western Bulldogs by seven points to kickstart their push for the debut final's berth. Jack Lacosius booted five goals, including four in the second quarter, while Matty Rao turned in an imperious midfield performance to deliver an 84-77 victory at TIO Stadium. Another upset in round 11, and I think it's set the tone for this round. The Doggies are having a great couple of weeks, and... I think they're going a bit unnoticed this year, and I think they're, they're going to um, put a lot of fear into some teams that uh, are in the top eight, but also uh, lower, in the, lower in the table. But Gold Coast pushed this all away, got got the job done. Players that they really need stepped up. Uh, Gold Coast, this could really start their procession into the finals and picking up wins against top eight sides, top eight worthy sides. It'll be huge for Stewie Dew's boys and I think it will boost the confidence for the Suns, which will be much needed after a rocky start to the season. The next game, again on Saturday night, it was West Coast taking on Essendon. This game was up at Perth and up the stadium. I tipped Essendon, and I thought they were going to have a field day, winning by a hundred odd points. With Essendon gaining a lot of confidence against Richmond, getting the one point victory, and a young side. When you get a victory over a Richmond team that you know are really strong at the MCG and and Essendon have copped some real tough losses over the past couple of weeks. I thought they were just going to put a proper hammer through the West Coast Eagles, but Essendon was dragged into a Saturday night scrap by a dogged West Coast, but still found a way to bust the game open at Optus Stadium and return to the top eight with a 50-point win. The Bombers were a long way from their best for the first three quarters and completely shake a rejuvenated Eagles team that responded to the last week's horror performance against Hawthorne. But the visitors broke their opponents in the final term and got the line comfortably in the end, kicking five of the last six goals to win 96 to 46. West Coast still haven't won a game in nine rounds and with injuries to key players, the leadership is stuck on the young players and I think they're gonna cop it for the for the next couple of weeks and, and they're gonna cop it before they get their key players back in with that crucial leadership that's much needed in an AFL side. But for Essendon, the young and inexperienced side will gain back their confidence after a run of losses. Heading into round 11 with a two-game winning streak, it will boost the Bombers. And I think it will continue their rush for the top eight. And I think they're definitely worthy of being a top eight side. They stayed with Collingwood up until the last quarter. And I think what they did against Richmond showed that they can play to the last minute. And they do that every game. I think they're worthy of the top eight. The first game on Sunday was Richmond taking on Port Adelaide. I tip Richmond to win in an upset against the Powell and Port will come into this game with too much confidence and Richmond know the G inside to out. And with a new coach, a new approach on Richmond football, I think the Powell weren't going to stand a chance and know what Andrew McQualter will change in Richmond's plan. The Powell surges continued, though, with Port, Adela- Port Adelaide registering, registering an equal club record eight straight win. A hard fought one. Against the plucky Tigers at the MCG, the power set the tone in the first quarter, kicking five consecutive goals to set up a 25-point lead at the start of the second term. Richmond, although were relentless and drew to within two points early in the fourth quarter when Tim Taranto kicked his third of four majors, only foot power to kick three, three of the final game goals to seal a 10-point win, 77-67. The second last game of round eleven was Collingwood taking on North Melbourne. It was Collingwood's home game, and it was up in Marvel Stadium, which is unusual for the Pies. As, you know they play that, played the MCG a lot, and changed it up, playing at Marvel. And they didn't win a game at Marvel since the start of last year, in Craig McRae's first official game as Collingwood coach. So as a Collingwood supporter myself, I came in a bit weary. You know we haven't won many games at Marvel at all, and. Uh, I didn't know what was going to happen um, on Sunday. But Collingwood got the job done by 35 points. They came into the game with a lot of confidence and a lot of knowing how to play the ball, especially up against teams against Carlton, their ball movement, the way they're handballing, the way they're kicking, especially against a team like Carlton, strong midfield, a really well-balanced side that just can't put wins together. They still put up a battle. Um but North Melbourne came into the game with a bit of a robbery up against them. They probably should have got the job done against Sydney, but the interchange breach really uh, burnt them and was, wasn't was really worthy of uh, losing that game. I think they showed a lot of firepower, and especially in their young players. I think they got the win over Sydney. It would have boosted a lot of their confidence. But the ball moving from Collingwood against North Melbourne, it was just really good. We're hitting targets, we're winning 50-50s. We had players like Nathan Murphy step up, which he steps up every week, but you can see his resilience and playing up against some real strong forwards like Nick Larkey, it, w- it would have been really tough um, in the back line. But he got the job done over him, and he really uh, outnumbered him. Still kick goals, Nick Larkey, but N- Murphy put a real hard task on him. But in the last quarter, we scooped down to their level. We let them back in it. We let them out... Goal kick us in the last and probably should have got the job done by 60 odd points, but we didn't in the end. But nonetheless, Pies got the job done by 35 points. It was a good game and uh, it was great to be back at Marvel Stadium for Collingwood footy. The last game around 11 was Adelaide taking on Brisbane. It's at the Adelaide Oval. My tip was going to be Adelaide for the win. It's another tough game to call this week. I think this round is going to be one of the toughest rounds we're going to have all year. Adelaide are a really strong side, and they know that ground inside to out, and Brisbane struggle at Adelaide a lot. Round one against Port, they didn't play anywhere near the capabilities at all, but a dog-hungry Adelaide has broken Brisbane's seven-game winning run with a a thrilling 17-point win at Adelaide Oval on Sunday night. The Crows were the better side from the outset, cashing in on Brisbane's repeat areas in their back half to claim a 95-78 win. The Lions will rule a devastating third quarter where they managed just one goal nine from a completely dominant spell that included 14 to one inside 50, 50 count. Crows duos Josh Rochelle and Isaac Rankin provided moments of magic in front of the goal to really spark the home crowd. And it was veteran Taylor Walker who finished the pick of the Crows in the attack with three goals and saw Adelaide getting the job done against a really strong Brizzy side. But that wraps up all my AFL round 11 reviews. So thank you for listening to the In The Stand show. I'll catch you after the break. Call TAD to remodel my place said I wanted it to be that kind of place knee deep in the reno sinking in our fights
1: other shonky builders
0: waking me up at night and Adam plays the boss man he listens to the customer don't you remember he built this kitchen he built this kitchen with TAD. We built this kitchen. We built this kitchen with TAD. We built this kitchen. We built this kitchen with TAD. About a thing Cause Atticus Health Will make make you feel alright Don't worry About a thing Cause Atticus Health Will make you feel alright If you got a tummy ache Or you don't feel right
1: or oh, if oh, we have a nasty
0: have. rash Keep <laughs> Keeping you up at night Don't worry, <laughs> Don't worry. About <laughs> a thing Don't worry Cause Atticus <laughs> Health
1: Will <laughs> make you <laughs> feel alright
0: Come, Come on to Freddy's K- Kitchen K- in Station, Station Street For a coffee And, coffee. and something nice to eat the, yeah, the pizzas, pizzas are, are great. great. In, in fact, fact all, all the food rates down at Freddy's, Carum. Carum in Station Street. Come on, come on, come on, come on down to Freddy's now. Come on, on, come on, come on, down, down to Freddy's now. <laughs> it's a pizza. It's a <laughs> Mystic Pizza. Welcome back to the In the Sand Show, and now we're going to have a look at the No Limit Fight Night Boxing held in Melbourne on last Wednesday night at Margaret Court Arena, and this card was an absolute thriller. Kicked off with Luke Gersbeck defeating Jack Moore in an absolute dominant and clinical performance. Gersbeck included a knockdown on his way to a unanimous decision victory, 50-44 across three judges, and he really just ripped apart Jack Moore. He, He just worked him and... Won the rounds pretty easily and the knockdown was just really, really well put out there by Luke Gersbeck. Gersbeck sorry. The next fight was Max Reeves defeating Jay Mitchell and we had Jay Mitchell on the show a couple of weeks ago. He was really confident in beating Max Reeves, the young fighter. And he thought he was real, really more experienced uh, than young Max Reeves and I think in the, two, in the two rounds that were fought, I think he came out really strong really showed uh, Max Reeves, who was a taller fighter, what he's going to expect in the next uh, next round's um, upcoming. But unfortunately, a head clash in the second round caused a nasty gash on the forehead of Jade Mitchell. And seeing the doctor call, call the fight and uh, wave the bout off, I think the cut was just really big and it wasn't really safe for him to fight anymore. You could see the blood coming down his eye. couldn't really see it all out of his right eye and um, they had to call the fight. I think if it stayed on for a bit longer, he would have just just worked on Max Reeves. He came out firing. He was the much smaller guy, but really pushing him. And you could see Max Reeves really just looking for that one shot to really knock Jade Mitchell out. But I don't think this, this was going to be the case in this fight. But astonishingly, the result was listed as a TKO victory for Reeves, but the referee ruling the cut was caused by a punch, which... When I watched the replay back, it was definitely caused by a headbutt. Um, and I, I know Jade, Ritchell, Jade Mitchell is uh, going back and uh, going to the commission to review this because I definitely think this is, uh, this is a no contest. I know definitely they're going to uh, run this one back. And I think when they do, Jade Mitchell is going to get the job done. He missed the weight by a kilo and a half, uh, but he had to drop 21, 22 kilos. Uh, he got down to the, as much as he could, but it wasn't safe for him to continue cutting any more weight. I know next next time these guys face up face up against each other, Jay Mitchell will get the job done over Max Reeves. But the next fight was Isaiah Seti defeating undefeated uh, Campbell Somerville, and after four brutal rounds, Somerville's corner threw in the towel, giving Seti his first win as a professional, and Seti... He's fought two fights before it. One, one was a draw, and one was a loss. He's a really quick, powerful, and dynamic fighter. He can re- he worked Campbell Somerville uh, all fight and made sure the tower got brought in. He really beat up Campbell Somerville, and um, you could see it was really hurt and had to make the, the decision to call the fight off because I think it was going to be a knockout if it went any longer. The next fight was David Naika defeating Louis Masters, and the rematch ended the exact same way as the first fight between the pair. In a TKO victory for Naika, Masters showed plenty of heart and willingness to go for the knockout, but Naika's physical advantages and boxing skill p- proved far too much, forcing the stoppage in the fourth round. And Louis Masters came to this fight, he ran straight at David Naika from the first bell and was looking for that knockout straight away. And, and I think that was probably the only way it was going to win the fight was a lucky shot. And, um, just to knock Nike out and, and Nike knew what he was doing. knew he was going to come out with a bang and just, just waited for him to relax off, cool off a bit, and then started working on masters. And, uh, he did the exact same thing in the first fight between him. And I uh, did the exact same thing in the second fight. And Nike stays undefeated and, and that's a real good prospect um in the cruiserweight division of New Zealand boxing. I think Nike can go on to win a world championship and the way he's going so far, he's looking incredible. The next fight was Ben Horn defeating Joel Taylor. This was a huge upset. Ben Horn came in as the real underdog and Joel Taylor, the undefeated undefeated boxer came in as a really really big favorite, but Ben Horn was the brother of former WBO welterweight champion Jeff Horn and scored a massive upset victory over previously undefeated Joel Taylor. Horn dropped Taylor with a left hook in the opening round and it shocked the whole crowd. I was there. And everyone was didn't know what was going on. It was just a huge left hook, dropped him and set the um the scoreboard, uh, the scorecards uh, in Ben Horn's favor. Horn um got the unanimous decision victory and uh, held off the fast finish in Victorian, winning fifty-seven fifty-six on two cards and fifty-eight fifty-five on the other. I know if the knockdown didn't happen, I think Joel Taylor would have would have won the fight and uh, kept on going and really pushing Ben Horn. But uh, Joel Taylor had to just keep going for it and um, up until the end. But I think he knew deep down that Ben Horn, with the knockdown early, uh, set set him up to win the fight. The next fight, and I think this was a real highlight of the night, was Tom Bell Chambers up against Cameron Mooney, and Tom Bell Chambers defeated Mooney. And the bragging rights in the all AFL clash between Bell Chambers and Mooney goes to the former Essendon ruckman. In an entertaining but not exactly technical bout, both men landed heavy shots, with Mooney getting dropped in the first round. Bell Chambers looked rocked at several points, but landed the final blow. Of the fight, a monster right hand to send Mooney to the canvas and see the contest waved off. And not not a lot of skill was shown in this fight, just a lot of straight hands and just looking for the big punch. I know Cameron Mooney in the first couple minutes of the fight rocked Bell Chambers and it was a real shock because Bell Chambers is, I think, a good 20 kilos heavier than Mooney and rocked him and everyone was a bit shocked. But then Bell Chambers... Knocked him down in the first, and then you can see in the second round, Mooney was just starting to lose that bit of stamina. And um, Bell Chambers knocked him out in the third, and it was a brutal knockout. And all his friends and family were were sitting in front of us, and they were going crazy. And it was a great, great spectacle to see. And uh, congratulations to Tom Bell Chambers, because that was a great performance. Um, and I know he came in with only four weeks of preparation into that fight. The co-main event of the evening. Was Nikita Zhu defeating Ben Bomber? There was a lot of talking before this fight, and Ben Bomber said he was gonna knock out Nikita Zhu, and he was had the better experience and the better coaches, and um, went over to the USA to show his class. And Nikita Zhu said that Ben Bomber was a punching bag when he headed over to the US. So there was a lot of a lot of talk before this fight, and it was a star making win for Nikita Zhu in the biggest fight of his career to date. Bomber landed a couple nice right hands early, but zoo rocked him with an uppercut and unloaded a barrage of punches to end the fight in the first round. And the crowd went crazy and Nikita went crazy as well. His corner went nuts and saw Tim Zhu, uh jump in the ring and he was, he was rapt that his brother got the job done. And Nikita really landed on Ben Bomber and, and I didn't think it was going to go down that easily. I thought it was going to be a unanimous decision victory to Nikita Zu and I didn't think it was going to... Like finished that early and just one punch caught Ben Bomber and sent him down and um kept and he keeps his undefeated record, Nikita Zo. And I think he's gonna be the next big thing for Australian super welterweight boxing uh under his brother Tim Zou. who's got the world championship at the moment. But the main event of the evening was Joseph Parker defeating Jan Jarapalu, the former WBO heavyweight champion, Lance his first knockout victory since 2020 with a first-round demolition job on Janjo Palu, Parker was buzzed. Parker buzzed Apalu early on, and the Brisbane-based slugger attempted to dodge the barrage, which followed with his hands down, and it didn't work out well for Palu as Parker landed a right hand to the temple, which closed the show, and Tyson Fury came down to Melbourne for the fight, and it was in the corner of his good friend, Joseph Parker, and he was wrapped that his uh, mate got that brilliant performance done, and I think... Joseph Park is going to be back on that world scene. And one more win, I can th- I can see him go uh, out to win that world title. Maybe up against Usyk, or um, maybe, you never know, up against Tyson Fury, but I highly doubt that. Well, that wraps up all the sport news for the In The Sand Show this week. So thank you for listening to the In The Sand Show. I'll catch you next week. Walsh has got it, twigging around to the 10. McComb not quite. Gorn hopeful. Now Jamari Ugelhagen kicks it long. It's got a lot of carry. That's something extraordinary. It's a high five from Jamari in glory. It's coming back. It got there. The. Seed.